Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If someone opens up to you, try to take everything so personally. I see that on TikTok a lot. Some people are a-holes, okay? But some people have genuine questions. And it's not our job individually to teach everyone. Not to take everything so personal, because some people really don't know. And if they don't know and they don't ask, so we just leave them ignorant? If you can find a capacity or a space, you feel like someone is asking you real genuine questions. And you feel like you're able to offer them a different perspective on things and keep it healthy and respectful. Try to do that. Try to not take everything so personal, because that's how I know what I know, because I've had to have uncomfortable conversations with my friends. Please respect your own boundaries. You know, don't let people be jerks to you. Don't let people gaslight you as well. But some people have genuine questions, and we have to understand that just because something is so obvious to us, because we've walked in this for our whole lives, there's different situations where it's not obvious to them. And I'm one of those situations. I'm a black woman that walked through half of her life not realizing privilege that I had, subtle discriminations that people were throwing my way. Just give people space if you feel like, you know, they're having honest questions or they have, or if you have something to share. I think that's important because that's how we know, that's how we realize. And everyone, everyone with stupid questions is not coming from a place of being mean or being a jerk. You know what I mean? Little kindness goes a long way. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Melissa Sky Morgan. And as always with all my episodes, it is the hope that each guest adds value to your life. Today we're discussing mental health. What exactly is mental health and how can we move past the stigmas of mental health in such a way that we can make it everyday discussion? Melissa has a unique story with her trauma and how she unlearned what was toxic in her life in order for her to make a career where she can help others do the same thing. So I want you to get your pens and papers out and I want you to write out what exactly you need to unlearn and then create a plan for you to make sure that that's habit. One more thing, I want to thank you for your constant support. Thank you for the five-star reviews on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and every way you listen to podcasts. Please continue to share. That's how the podcast gets visible. That's how other people start to know about the podcast and that's how it ranks on the podcast charts. We are also putting the podcast on YouTube. So if you're someone that likes visual interviews, it's right there for you. And please make sure you subscribe on YouTube as well. But that's it for me. Enjoy the episode. Until next time, use a difference to make a difference. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today's guest is an amazing lady. Her name is Melissa Sky Morgan government name here. What we're working on and what we're going to be discussing is how to navigate messy worlds. We're going to talk about how to make traumas visible and go back to those 
inner child moments where we've probably missed out on a few lessons. And we're also going to navigate how we use those tools into something that we can make our world a better place and heal the world from the brokenness that it sometimes face. She's a registered nurse with a passion for mental health. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Buenos dias. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it so much. You're very welcome. And that question, since we're focused on mental health, the question of how you're doing, I know that you take that question very seriously. So when you're saying you're doing well, I know you're not saying that passively. I feel like I want to start off there. A lot of people have gotten so used to giving automatic robotic answers. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And it's a way to protect themselves, shield themselves from whatever they may be dealing with. Why do you think it's important to actually be open about what we're dealing with and honor the inconsistencies with our feelings and our words sometimes? Well, first of all, I really think that as we were discussing a little bit earlier, people get online and we're grown adults. We know what we see on Instagram and what we see on Facebook is not the reality. We know that those are people's best moments. But that just gets saturated in your brain and you just feel like sometimes you're falling apart or you're handling something. You are going through a trauma or a situation that's difficult for you and you feel like no one else is going through it and that's not true. So first of all, friends are important. I don't know if anyone follows me on Instagram or follows me on any other social media, but I made a little video because my daughter is ill right now and she's got cancer. She's doing very well, but this has been trauma for us. So I've had to depend on my friends. I've had to be open with my friends about what's going on with me and let them know that when I need help and when I need support, and that's important, right? Because I'm asking for their help, but I want them to ask me for help too when they need it. That's selfish. I don't want to be just your friend when you're smiling, when you're happy. I want to be your friend through everything because I want you to be my friend through everything. So that's important. I made a video the other day about how we don't need any more superficial friends. It was with this type of energy here, because I think sometimes, like you're saying, we've made this culture where asking for help can be weakness or being friends in the good moments is usually just what it means to be supportive. But to your point, being supportive is being able to see that person in their full selves, even being able to recognize when someone is not being their full selves and saying, hey, you know, I got you right now. I can see you at your worst. I can see you at your best. It doesn't matter. I just want you to know that you don't have to hide or pretend to be around me. I don't want any other relationship from me. I don't. I don't want any friends around me that don't want me there by their side in good and bad and vice versa. Like I have colleagues, I have people that I know, but y'all are not my friend group. I don't want that. I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. And everyone needs that. You guys, we don't navigate this world by ourselves. It's a lonely world. You will be lonely. You will be isolated. You will remain ignorant on many, many subjects and many things. You don't navigate this world by yourself. This is not how we're supposed to go through this world. Since we're talking about navigating the world, let's go back to your younger self. What was it like growing up for you? You know, how did you figure out your childhood traumas and did you recognize them as childhood traumas when you were experiencing them? So no, definitely not. And my childhood was very odd because I'm adopted. My parents adopted seven children, me included, and then had two biological children. It was white parents. They adopted a variety of nationalities, Hispanic, mixed race, Caucasian. So that was already kind of interesting and that it was never addressed in my home. And then being raised as biological versus non-biological side by side was another trauma that you didn't realize. I didn't realize when I was younger. And then all of the siblings that I was raised with in the home were mentally handicapped. 
and I was not. So that was just another on top of not knowing where to fit in kind of trauma. You know, I went to school until I was 10 years old. That was all white. No other races were there. That was in New Jersey. And when I moved to Florida, it was more odd because in Florida, where we moved, there was a large Hispanic community. So everybody looked like me, brown skin wise, but they were Latin. And I'm not. So I was just like so confused. So these things, when you're a child, just like through many kids, many kids are going through foster care, through bad home situations, you just get through. You get through and you do what you need to do. Your brain does what it needs to do. And you rationalize what you need to rationalize so that you can get through it. Then hopefully when you become an adult, you'll be able to look back and see some of those things that you navigated and why you felt that way and why people reacted to you the way that you did, the way that they did. And it's very interesting. So it sounds like a lot of identity crisis then. Uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, are you kidding me? Uh, (laughs) Well, so... As you were going through these things, you know, across racial lines, you know, across mental illnesses and even just socioeconomic and everything, there was no one to talk to about any of these things? No one to talk to about any of these things. And it's still now something that I'm sorting out. I'm going to share the story with you and I'm going to be very careful with this because there's a lot of colorism in the Black community as well. Light skin, dark skin, that sort of thing. So when I was in middle school, When I came to Florida, there was Black people, like Hispanic people, like a mix, maybe like a 20% with the white kids there. Yeah, maybe like 20%. But in any case, I started to be attracted to some of the Black guys there. So we used to hang out and I was, it was not taken well by some of the darker skinned girls there. I could not fathom why this was happening. And later in my life, I started to realize because it happened multiple times over the course of like middle school and high school, multiple times I realized that I think it was because I was more light-skinned. When I started to go back on conversations that were had between myself and them, I just felt very kind of excluded because most of the girls were darker skinned than I was. But I couldn't figure that out at the time. Like I understand now that that might have something to do with it. Fast forward now, I recently was precepting at a hospital that most of the staff were dark-skinned Black women actually. And there were staff that were CNAs and doing some of the like administrative work. And I was presenting as a nurse practitioner. At first, it was a very hard connection to make. I was able to make connections with a lot of other people, but it was just a very tense, difficult situation for me. But then I started to kind of see myself from their point of view and from their angle. And I started to kind of try to make a little bit more of an effort and make myself a little bit more open because I try to see both sides of the situation always and it made it easier. But I feel like I was able to see more what they were seeing in middle school. I couldn't. By the way, thank you for sharing. And for context, when we bring up colorism, it's, it's basically discrimination or preference based on skin color. And oftentimes it can be people amongst the same ethnicity. Melissa's a black woman. And so it happens in many communities, Asia, Africa, Latin America. And there's a preference for lighter skin people. And even sometimes some communities, even in my country, Nigeria, there's a huge surplus of bleaching cream. So you can bleach your skin to be a certain color. So that'll give you proximity to, to lightness and more opportunity. And what Melissa was talking about is, you know, sometimes within different communities, a certain group of people continuously choose lighter skinned people over dark skinned people. There's something that can come up there in terms of anger. And oftentimes it's when someone is chosen as a lighter skinned person over a darker skinned person, it can be sometimes shown in their faces as I have gone up in status and you are now lower. And so you're saying you were sensing some of that 
energy. But now I could understand a little bit of what was happening. Well, I was in middle school and I hadn't, I had no idea. You had no idea. Because you said you grew up in a white family and I'm guessing this wasn't talked about at all. You didn't have the nuance of racial discussions or anything. Nothing. And then you grew up as an adult and you started seeing how the world reacted to you. You're like, wait, what has happened? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm still putting that in context. It's crazy that as 44 years old, I'm still doing, I'm glad that I'm able to do that. The reason why I wanted to bring that context, and I'm so glad that you're being open about this, is that when we often talk about the racial dialogue here in the United States and everything, I think a lot of people think it's a fixed conversation. Like, yeah, I'm black, right? I don't see color, blah, 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 all those things. But it's so important to be able to see color so you can understand nuances and the different lived experiences, right? So you have the lived experience, very real lived experience that oftentimes can be dismissed based on whatever someone can have, assumptions someone can have about you. And then you are learning about other lived experiences that have very, very real trauma attached to the color of the skin. And it's happening at the same time. Yeah, it's crazy. And like another thing that I'm just realizing in the last couple of years is as a nurse, you can become a nurse with your associate's degree. And then you can go up and get your bachelor's and your master's while you're still working. So for me, it was just a silly thing. So behind my name, it still had my associates because I'm lazy. I didn't want to go to HR and change it because it takes <laughs> right? So, but I have my bachelor's. And so someone said, well, why don't you change it? I'm like, because I don't care. Like, I don't care. I'm still the same nurse. I do the same quality work. You know, I don't care. But as I started to talk to some of my female friends, my Black female friends, because they were always quick to change their name. Some of the nurse practitioners wanted to be called by their first name. Most of my Black friends, they want to be called by their whole name, Mrs. Angela Smith, as you know what I'm saying? For me, it didn't matter. But I understand now the privilege that I have because people are like, oh, are you the nurse? Are you the housekeeper? Are you the whatever, whatever? So it's important that they maintain their boundaries as a professional and have their whole name used, which I was so ignorant to that because it's happened to me, but not as much as it happens to some of my darker skinned friends. So in that, I'm also realizing like the privilege that I have being a little bit lighter skin. Stuff that I was ignorant to because I didn't realize I was just walking through my life. You know, Melissa, so I do this workshop. I, I do a bunch of workshops, but when I'm working with companies, I always talk about this intersection we don't talk about enough. This intersection of being privileged and marginalized. Because a lot of people think it's either or, right? So for example, I could be Privilege in a sense, I'm a, you know, I'm a man and I can walk past the street without being worried about cat called, for example. But it doesn't take away from the fact that me being Nigerian has left me at the airports longer than I need to be, or I've had interesting interactions with law enforcement. Those things are happening at the same time. And then I could also be privileged from the sense that I'm straight and I'm not dealing with a lot of what my fellow black members of the LGBTQIA plus communities. And those things are happening at the same time. It sounds like that's what you're finding that interesting intersection, but you being someone who is so wonderful and, and, you know, vulnerable about different ways to unlearn toxic elements. How did you find that way to navigate that balance? Because I feel like the world right now doesn't know how to have conversations around nuance. It's so binary. <laughs> it's almost like they're looking for shortcuts. You have to be genuine and talk to people. Literally, this is how I navigate my world. I find friends and they know me. I can ask them anything because they know it's not out of malice. They know that it's not out of, it's because I'm ignorant. Because I don't know and I want to know. I want to know why you look at things this way. I want to know why we disagree. I want to know why your viewpoint is this. Why is that? 
And you need to have those conversations. That's another reason to make genuine, authentic friends. Like you have different cultures of different races that you guys can sit and talk to each other because how are you really genuinely going to know what someone else's real view and real experience is unless you sit down and have conversation, unless they allow you to ask honest questions and give you honest answers. And you guys still love each other at the end of the day. I love you. You're a great person. You don't have any good sense. You didn't realize this was happening throughout your whole life. <laughs> but I love you. Uh, and I'm to- you know what I mean? No, no, no. That's good. But then what is the balance for the boundary, right? Because there can be some moments where someone is actually just invading your space and even being disrespectful without knowing that. So have you found that? Because I can imagine that's happened to you as well, where, you know, someone might have crossed the line repeatedly and then they're gaslighting you as if to say, well, I was just asking a question. Stop making it such a big deal. Chill. What the heck? All of you are so sensitive. How do you navigate that part? So I think that what you just said is you set your boundaries. And the people that are your friends, the people that respect you will respect your boundaries. And I always say this to people. Yes, set your boundaries. Your boundaries are your boundaries so they can be flexible. And you can put them up and take them down as you choose, as long as you inform the person. And what I mean by that is some people are, if you try to set boundaries on a conversation or on a relationship before you really know what's going to be said or what's happening, is that really fair? Because you don't really know. Like, I will set my boundaries as I feel comfortable. Even you and I, like I said to you, okay, you know, well, as we're having conversation, if, if I feel something that I don't want to talk about, I'll let you know. You did say that. Because I don't know what we're going to talk about. I will let you know. If something is uncomfortable, then I'll say, you know, this is not something I want to discuss right now. And if, you know, you're respectful and the person that you're, you're talking to is respectful and they should mind those boundaries. And if they don't mind those boundaries, then you don't need to mind the relationship. The relationship is not something that is a healthy, respectful relationship. I lo- love this so much because you're... I think you're referring to something, a humility that many of us don't. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Talk about it in terms of friendship, because I think people sometimes feel like if they cross the line and someone tells them, look, I don't want to do that. That's not OK. Sometimes some people think that's the end of the relationship and then they'll distance themselves. And so they won't even push past that discomfort because to your point, when we're talking about the type of friends we need, some people are not able to have friendships where they see the best and the worst persons or they acknowledge a mistake they made. And then they say, you know what? I'm sorry about that. I respect it. Let's move on. I won't do that again. And that's something we don't get taught about. Emotional intelligence, right? All these things we don't get taught about. Emotional intelligence. 
Yes, yes. And it has to be an open communication because maybe I can't converse with you with politics. You're out of hand. You get you get out of control, sir. You get out of control. Because <laughs> politics, you get out of control. So you and I are not going to have that conversation. And that's fine. You know what I mean? You're still my friend. We're going to talk about everything else under the sun, but we can't talk about politics. And it's boundary, yeah. It's okay. It's okay to set those boundaries. It's okay to have good communication. That's how you make your friends, how you make the best closest friends i think the most genuine authentic if you can't talk to your people genuinely are they your people huh interesting okay well then this is going to be an interesting next question because you strike me as an empath uh, correct me if i'm wrong is that 100%. okay i sense that you feel things deeply we're looking at the world right now it's just 2022 and then you're seeing all the hurt in the world you've seen all the reactions you've seen people reacting to different things and you're seeing how someone can look at the same thing and come up with different answers you're in Florida. My brother's in Florida. I know Florida's a hot bed for these topics. So, <laughs> you know, I'm in New York at the other side of this and we have all these interesting covert and overt ways. What do you see when you turn on the news and you hear the conversations with people that are happening right now? I don't watch the news. She said she doesn't watch the news. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you that right now. But you're still aware though, right? You're aware of, yes, yeah, yes. of all these things. And I think there's so much going on and so many people are just invested in what's going on right now in Florida is a lot of people are suffering financially because real estate, the rental market, the housing market, the job situation, it's a mess. It's a mess and people are struggling. That's one thing. Another thing that I work with veterans and they are stressed and upset about a lot of things that are happening overseas, a lot of the military endeavors and what our administration is, is the decisions that they're making as far as conflicts and such over there, which I don't even want to go there, but I just see a lot of people stressed about a lot of different things. And again, I'm going to go back to, you really have to try to put yourself in their place to try to really see things the way people are seeing and experiencing them and to be empathetic to that and to try to understand that even if you don't agree with it, even if you don't agree with how they got to the logic or the situation that they're in, it's important to just try to put yourself in their place to just try to see what they're seeing. I mean, my reality and the way I live my life is my reality. That's not necessarily someone else's reality. Even though we live, we're neighbors, when they navigate the world, it's different because of their ethnicity, because of their socioeconomic status. So I just think, it, you know, just communicating with people and trying to see stuff from their point of view, it just helps a lot. That's fair. That's fair. And then obviously, yeah, I think that's led to your interest in psychiatry because you're, you're studying for that right now. What do you think of, about the field right now? Because registered nurse, now you want to add psychiatrists to this. That's a lot. <laughs> what is it that you're trying to solve here? So excited, honestly. And just I'm excited about a lot of stuff. I'm excited about being able to help. I'm excited about being able to help other people kind of unpack their traumas. I'm excited about being able to help other people talk about their mental health and talk about it to the point where it becomes common conversation. The same as I broke my leg or I have diabetes or I had a heart attack. I want that to be that open of a conversation because it affects people's health to that extent. And I'm tired of it being stigma. I'm tired of people going through, just as you said, when we first started talking about, it, oh, how are you? I'm fine. No, you're not. You know, you're not fine. I don't know what else to say. Like, I know you're not going to tell the grocery store, the guy, like I said, you're not going to tell the guy at the grocery store that you're not fine and that you caught your kid has cancer and that, you know, you have the whole thing. But like, you need to tell someone. I'm tired of, especially our men, 
trying to carry this burden. And that, oh my gosh, that's such a thing for me too. I have friends that I am so proud of that. I am so, I encourage this so much. They have dads that are talking to their sons about mental health, about their mental health, because now their sons know that it's okay for them to now go back and talk to dad, to uncles about their mental health when they are not okay. Dads are coming home and telling their teenage sons, had a little rough day today. This is what happened X, Y, and Z. I'm not doing okay. I need a little space. It's just important to have that conversation about mental health with your children. They don't need to know every single detail, but they need to know mom and dad are perfect beings. They need to know that, you know, when you get to be an adult and you're having financial issues and you're having marital issues, that mom and dad had them too. They don't need to know every single detail, but you're not weird. You're not defective because you're having financial issues, because you're stressed about life, because you're having trouble in your marriage or your relationship. Because mom and dad had it too when they got through it. Grandma and grandpa had it too when they got through it. My brother and sister had it too. Do you know what I'm saying? But that's how it is right now. That's the theme you're, you're going on, open dialogue, conversations. Yes, yes. And it starts in the family. I think it's especially important with fathers and sons because women are a little bit more advanced, I think, on the, on, in this range. Women are, will talk about it a little bit more and not so much the men. The interesting thing about what psychiatry is, though, you actually, what you'll be involved in is diagnosis, prevention, study, and treatment of mental disorders. And you say you grew up in a household where there were different mental illnesses, right? Yes. I have a theory, I don't know if it's substantiated or not, that many people are walking around today's earth with undiagnosed mental illnesses because of the stigma that exists. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. It can affect anything from mood disorders to any of these things. And so sometimes, you know, this stigma, like if you do that, can I be your friend? And we don't even want to have people that have the right medication and all these things. And so you're going to be able to actually figure out medication for people. And I think a lot of people, to your point, they don't want to talk about the fact that they might have to take something at a certain time or every day in order to regulate their moods or even try to push past that because the first medication might not work. And the only reason I'm even knowing this is because a lot of my close friends have been vulnerable enough with me to, to share that. And it always allows me to just be more mindful of how I have the conversation. So that is the big stigma to me where someone actually has to accept the fact that a mental disorder is not anything that we need to stigmatize. But I think that's probably more in us <laughs> that, that don't you know, go through that. And I would figure that out. As mental health clinicians and as a practice, we need to do better as mental health clinicians. But also there's so much we just don't know about mental health. It is so hard to tell, right? Because one of the key diagnostic factors that I have when I'm trying to diagnose someone is what information you bring to me. Now, if I see you over and over and over again, I'm able to observe you. I'm able to have a longer conversation with you. There's stuff that I'm going to pick up. But if you are not eating, not sleeping, not being able to, you know, be around your friends, if you're not able to concentrate, if your house looks like a hot mess and is disgusting because you're so depressed that you can't bear to get up and wash the dishes, I don't know that unless you tell me. I don't know where to put that on my evaluation scale unless you tell me. These are conversations that the clinicians need to have with their patients and the patients need to be open about. I don't know if every time that you pick up the phone to make a phone call, it's giving you chest pain and you get short of breath because you're so anxious. These are just things that we need to have a better conversation about. And the reason I bring that up is because, so there's so many different medications and I don't know if I'm making you better unless you tell me. And then for depression, there's like 20 something different medications that target different symptoms. 
And so I'm going to start with this medication that I think is best, but maybe it's not. And I don't know that because there's no blood test for them. You and I need to sit back down in two or three weeks and have an honest conversation. How is this making you feel? And if you tell me it's fine because you're just too depressed and you don't want to discuss it, then I'm going to think it's fine. And I'm going to keep you on that medication. And you're going to be on this medication that doesn't help you for another year. And then you're going to say, this medication never helped me. And my psychiatrist sucks. This is a full circle. This is a full circle. The first conversation, the first question I asked you was how, how you were. To your point, you're saying, if you don't tell me how you are, like, this is what I normally have a down Usually at nighttime, in the morning, I'll have a high. I've gotten used to smiling through pain. My anxiety flares up when this comes up or people bring, you know, if you're not able to fully talk about your triggers, even moments of trigger warning here, self-harm, right? Because I've read a lot of about just how sometimes even those thoughts can be stigmatized because if you share that with someone else, they might feel like they have to be constantly be watching you. But if you share that with a, a psychiatrist, he, she, they might be able to tell you, well, here are some coping skills. Here's how you can work through that. Yes. It's hard to be a patient. It's hard to be a patient with mental health because there's no blood test. If you, if I give you a medication for diabetes, I'm going to recheck your, your hemoglobin A1C. I'm going to see this medication is helping you or it's not helping you. I can't do that with depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder. I cannot do that. So it has to be open and honest conversation. And that's hard in the first place with your great friends. And it's harder to sit down with someone that you've never met in your life. And I'm like, okay, tell me your life story. Tell me all, you know what I mean? Tell me all these fragile things about yourself that you don't want anyone to know, but you're going to tell me. And we just met. And plus we only have 15 minutes. So please make it fast. You know what I mean? That's why I'm so excited about this episode. You know, it was one of the things I, I in your content, I recognized that you had the skill set to talk about this. It really comes down to what you're saying, this idea of open and honest dialogue but then making a safe space for that to exist. And, you know, this is why I'm saying, I, you know, I, I certainly have a responsibility to do better in that space where if I have any influence and any privilege, I need to do better to make a culture of, hey, anything is, is safe for you to talk about here. And I appreciate that so, so much. We need more spaces like this for people to understand that you are not the only one going through this. I promise you. If you talk to your neighbor about it, they're going through it too. But I also know that there's a boundary that you don't want to overshare. And then that's another thing. But it's we as Americans are not good at this. I don't know about any other culture. I can only speak for us as Americans. Well, I can speak for my culture as Nigerian. It's not something that we talk about too. So let me just, let me just put that out there right now. We can be better. And, I, and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, to hopefully spark it up. We're working on it. And we have to be the examples. Like, I think like that's my goal. My goal is to be, because I've seen it. I've seen when I allow myself to open up and be open and honest with someone else, they feel safe doing that. Not just my friends, but for my daughter also. Like when she sees that mom is not perfect, mom doesn't always have her stuff together. It's normal that she doesn't always have her stuff together because mom doesn't either. So, you know, that's okay. You know what I mean? That's okay. <laughs> it's what? normal. It's normal. How can people find you then? Because I'm sure people are going to be jazzed right now. They're like, oh, yeah, I, can't, I, can't, I, can't. I want to connect with her. So how can people find you and what are you up to? So right now I am, you know, I work full time. I go to school full time. Really, I'm just concentrating on, I do. You can follow me on TikTok at Humble and Happy or you can follow me at Instagram as well. I don't post very much on Instagram, but on TikTok, you can follow me. And when I graduate, we'll talk some more, which will be in November. And I will 
start putting out some more content and taking clients and all that good stuff. But right now I'm reaching, I just want people, my goal is for people to be able to have open, honest conversation with each other and reduce the stigma for mental health because we all need it. We all need it. And you're helping not just yourself, you're helping your future generations have that open conversation, have happier, healthy lives. It's not just for yourself. And if, if they can always inbox me on TikTok, I'll answer whatever questions anyone has or if they need help or support. I'm always here for that. I'm going to make sure I put that in the show notes. I, I always want to give the audience a chance to connect. And then the final question, I always ask my guests this question. So my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. So Melissa, how do you use your difference to make a difference? How do I use my difference to make a difference? I think that, and I hate to keep going back to that again, but I want to create a safe space for people to be able to have a conversation. And if I need to be uncomfortable starting opening those spaces, then I intend to do that, intend to continue to do that because it makes a difference when you are open and when you acknowledge other people's realities are not like your reality and you allow them a space to talk about them. Yes, you learn so much. Gosh, it opens your eyes to just the different ways that people navigate this world and the realities that they go through. It's almost like Everybody lives in the same United States, like everyone I'm talking to here in the same United States, but we all live vastly different lives and have vastly different experiences, depending on our socioeconomic status, our race, the location where we live. It's unbelievable. But so that's my intention. I think it's great. I mean, I think you've done such a great job of reminding people that we all have different lived experiences and it's very important you get outside of that, right? Oh, you know what? I'm going to say too. If someone opens up to you, try to take everything so like personally. I see that on TikTok a lot. Some people are asking, some people are a-holes, okay? <laughs> some people have genuine questions. Some people have genuine, and it's not our job individually to teach everyone, but not to take everything so personally because some people really don't know. And if they don't know and they don't ask, so we just leave them ignorant? I'm just saying, you know, if, if you can find a capacity or a space you feel like someone is asking you real genuine questions and you feel like you're able to offer them a different perspective on things and keep it healthy and respectful. Try to do that. Try to not take everything so personal because that's how I know what I know because I've had to have uncomfortable conversations with my friends. Love it. No, no, you're about to preach. Keep preaching. <laughs> you're like, and I'm not going to stop it. Go ahead. What else do you want to say? <laughs> Everyone just, people just take things a little too personally sometimes. People get a little bit too offended. Please respect your own boundaries. You know, don't let people be jerks to you. Don't let people gaslight you as well. But some people have genuine questions and we have to understand that just because something is so obvious to us because we've walked in this for our whole lives, there's different situations where it's not obvious to them. And I'm one of those situations. I'm a black woman that walked through half of her life not realizing privilege that I had, subtle discriminations that people were throwing my way. Just give people space if you feel like, you know, they're having honest questions or they have or if you have something to share, I think that's important because that's how we know. That's how we realize. And everyone, everyone with stupid questions is not coming from a place of being mean or being a jerk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. A little kindness goes a long way. A little kindness goes a long way. That is the word of Melissa Sky Morgan. Thank you so much, though. This has been a true pleasure. I, I think you've really issued out a lot of reminders for us to get back to our humanity. So I want to thank you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Pleasure's mine and kings, queens, and royalty. Till next time. Take care. Yes, use a difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads 
podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 